They got married 16 years ago with a desire to serve the Lord, and they didn't give up and have to even leave Columbus to really find their true mission field, and you're going to hear all about their inspiring story straight ahead. There is the word, there is the way, and brothers and sisters who find strength in their belief. We meet Faces of Faith with Bill Scoggins. And welcome in, everyone, to another edition of Faces of Faith. I'm Phil Scoggins, your host, and I am delighted tonight to have two Faces of Faith, I guess you could say, <laughs> to be uh, uh, here in the studio with me tonight to share their story. First of all, Rob Strickland. Rob is the pastor of uh, Highland Community Church, North Highland Community Church, right here in Columbus. And his wife, Carrie Strickland, she is the executive director of Truth Spring Incorporated. That's an organization, really, that helps the North Highland neighborhood. And you're going to hear all about their ministry and how they do that. But, folks, thank you all for joining me here in our podcast studio tonight. We're stoked thank to you. be here. Thanks for having us. I want to start by saying, uh, you know, your faith journey has been 16 years as a married couple. You have three precious children. Uh, they are Noah, Luke, and Jude. That's right. Tell me about the boys. Well, they're busy. We have currently just filled in a gigantic hole that was in our wall from where a football game was happening <laughs> in there. And someone's rear end, no one's claimed it yet, but someone's <laughs> rear end went through the wall and left a gigantic hole. So we're glad to know that that's been fixed. That's no longer a problem, but that's a good snapshot of what happens in the Strickland household on a regular basis. We want to get to know you guys and know your hearts, and that's what this hour is for. So we're going to take plenty of time. We're going to go in-depth, and we're going to actually start from the very beginning, as the song says. <laughs> but let's go back. Rob, I'm going to start with you and ask you to give me uh, a snapshot of your early years, your growing up years, a little bit about your parents and, and that time in your life. Definitely. I was born in Columbus and grew up with two of the most amazing people to be parents you could have. Far from perfect, but very honest, real people. There was an honest need for the Lord that always came out of who they are. And still to this day, uh, they are just very welcoming and, and loving parents to me and to so many others as well. And so growing up here in Columbus, I have one brother who he and I are very close. He's younger than me, and I, I just respect him more than I could ever put into words. But we had a very storybook-like childhood. I mean, there were some sad chapters and some things that went on, but ultimately, I think he and I both would look back on our childhood if you were sitting here and we'd say it was, it was amazing. And so we grew up on the baseball field. Uh, he and I both did, and in many respects, he's a better baseball player than, than I ever was, but I ended up taking it a little further than him because of being a left-hander. I pitched and pitched through high school and even pitched in, in college as well. And that was very much what our life revolved around was being a family and, and being in there together uh, and getting through things together on the ball field. Uh, we grew up at Edgewood Baptist Church and, you know, just really appreciated those years. Uh, we were there every time uh, we had the chance to be on Sundays and, and much of the backdrop of my life and, and the, the memory bank is of the baseball field with my parents and my brother, Redwood Baptist. So good years, good times. Well, I actually met you for the first time 
on the ball field. Right. You and my son Scott played oh, at Shaw High School together. Great guy, he great was guy. One year ahead of you, and uh, but our paths haven't crossed that much since. So I'm really thankful for this opportunity tonight. Likewise, to get to reconnect and and delve into what has happened over the past thirty something years. All right, let's go to you, Carrie. Tell me sure. about uh, your early years. Well, Edgewood is actually where Rob and I first met. We were actually dedicated as babies on the same day. So there's a picture of us wow. being dedicated by Amazing. our parents there. So, yeah, that's you know a little side note that I like to mention. But, but altogether important. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. So uh, my dad was the pastor of Edgewood Baptist. He, Andy Merritt and Kathy Merritt is my mom. Um, and... What I guess what we're most known for is that there were 10 children. And then the very next question that someone always asks is, are you Catholic? And I quickly <laughs> say, no, we were not Catholic. But we, we just happen to have a lot of, you know, siblings in our family. So I'm number four out of 10. And I think I play the middle role really well. I just learned to adapt in whatever circle I was in, which has played well as an adult, I feel like. And yes, so, um, so we grew up going to church there, and then they also had a Christian school at the time called Christian Heritage Academy that we went to, played all sorts of sports, I loved sports, um, ended up graduating from there, and went on to Auburn University from there, and then went to Chicago following that, and then that's when our adult years came about, and Rob and I Well, we're going to We're going to delve into that a little bit, but uh, first of all, tell me, share your your experience with how you came to know the Lord? When, when did that happen for both of you? Yeah. For me, I, I would say that at the age of seven at Edgewood, I came, repented, professed to know Christ at that young age. And the Lord held me through so many years and just a, a series of circumstances of good and bad, a series of good and bad choices until I was about 21. And that was about the same time that I ended up having to put the baseball glove down. I had some problems with my arm and it was a situation to where I had to make a decision. And the decision really came down between either continue to play baseball and have to undergo surgery, or you can put the glove down now and it will begin to mend and, and just be in a position where you won't further damage your arm and so when I put that glove down I really just lost my identity and so it was about 20 21 I think it was 21 that I actually ended up going to a service at Highland because Highland was originally a church plant of Edgewood Baptist so while I'm there I actually realize that I am just totally wrecked and not able to no matter how hard I try to get it right. I just continue with all of my effort to get it wrong. And I realized sin was my issue, that everything was wrecked in my life because I continued to try to do things in, in a way that was through sin. And I just ran down in the middle of the service and repented. And I've, I've been with the Lord ever since. So that was 21 years old that I would say that I, I embraced the identity they have in Christ, Christ Jesus in a way that was submissive to him as Lord of my heart. And I was also young. I was in the first grade um, when I remember uh, acknowledging and understanding the idea of a sinful heart that was dead and needed to be revived um, through what Jesus offered. And so 
that started my journey with the Lord, but I would say um, I continued to grow, but I wouldn't say that the Lord really became the master of my heart until probably around my senior year. Um, uh, the best way to describe it was that year our youth group just experienced this revival. That's really the best way that I can explain it. Um, Have that church? It did. We were actually away on a summer mission trip. We had no youth pastor at the time um, because we had gone through some difficulties with the current youth pastor that was there, and my dad happened to step in and take over the youth pastor role just for that season. That was not typically his role. And so he took the entire youth group down for a trip and just really shared authentic gospel with us in a way that opened my eyes to see that there was so much more than what I was currently living. And the Lord just captured my heart on that trip and really began to plant a love for his word in my heart during that trip. And from that point forward, I would say I've never been the same in the sense of my love for the Lord and for his word just continued to grow at that point. So y'all were going to Edgewood at the same time? We yeah, were. were. And and that's, I guess, where the spark happened? Yes, so, <laughs> sort of. I, we were not in the same circle. We were in different circles. Edgewood okay. was rather large church, so you didn't necessarily, you knew everyone, but you weren't necessarily in the same circle of friends. But Rob um, would come in his baseball uniform to youth group. And I just thought he was the best looking thing I've ever seen. And so, Uniforms will do that. That's right. That's right. And so we did end up going on a couple, uh, just a couple of dates my sophomore year, his senior year. But they were honestly terrible. They went terribly wrong. And just not the right timing. Mm-hmm. We were just in different seasons of life. So we look back on that and laugh. It just, it didn't go well. Oh, but he yeah. redeemed himself our senior year of college. He came back around, and it went much better clearly (laughs) then. That's exactly right. Well, you you majored in special education. And you majored in? Exercise science. And y'all are Not using that. That's right. (laughs) Not using that in the least bit. (laughs) Well, his will tie in a little bit better. Mine doesn't tie in at all. I went to Auburn University, but what happened at Auburn University is, yes, I did – get a degree in exercise science, but while I was there, I was a part of a ministry called Campus Crusade, Mm -hmm. and every summer, they offered what they called at that time, like an urban mission trip, and so I just happened to sign up for one of those, and it ended up taking me to Chicago, to the inner city of Chicago one summer, and when I was there, that is when I encountered people that I had I just didn't even know that people lived like that for the Lord. They were in this extremely dangerous, run-down, drug-infested part of Chicago, and yet their entire families had moved into these communities, were living there, had planted churches there and organizations there. And so while we were there for the summer, we would work at this organization, but we would also live there with the families as part of their family. And so that sparked something inside of me at that point of, whoa, this is different. (laughs) I've never seen anyone express their love for the Lord and their love for people in such a very real way. And so, yes, I finished my time at Auburn, but really Auburn served as a sense of what 
path the Lord was about to take me down through those many. So I went back again the next year to the same place. And then when I graduated, I took an internship at that place for one year following that. So what happened at Auburn was more a shaping of my mind and a heart rather than just a degree that I got there. So what happened in both of your hearts to pull you together as a couple and how closely were y'all connected in terms of what you wanted to do with your lives? Well, I, I, there, there are parts of that question that we could answer, and then there are parts of the question that we just can't really explain. Like, I, I think it's true in, in both of our eyes to say, even as, as young people, as even I, I remember being 8, 9, 10, and she was a teenager, to where we encountered someone who was in poverty and there was just an evidence in our DNA that that was going to be a part of our lives in some way. We didn't really know what to do with it, but it was clearly a work of the Holy Spirit that was stirring in us, even at a young age. And so that was there, and that breeding ground, if you will, within our hearts then became realized when she went to Chicago and the, the people that she met and encountered in Chicago, you know, when you encounter someone who is truly solid and mature in their walk with Christ and, and their footing is sure on what they're doing and why they're doing it and how it's biblically rooted and, and just totally an outworking of their love for Christ. When you see that, you, you really grab hold of it when, when you're someone who's wanting to know and, and get your own life, quote-unquote, in alignment with the Lord and His purposes. And so I think that happened for her while she was there, and, and I would visit her. We were dating when she was in Chicago post her senior year of Auburn, and I would go up there, and, and I'll also learn quite a bit from just seeing their lives and talking with them. And so that then positioned me to take this opportunity that Edgewood Baptist had with Highland, this church in, in a blighted neighborhood here in our own city that was struggling and, and even failing to, to be a part of that and to understand that the streets where this church really lie is an opportunity for the harvest of the kingdom of God. And so to be able to have a relationship as a believer with those streets and not just come in and do church, everybody come into the building, sing the songs, listen to the message and pray and go home. And then you go back to your normal lives, but allow the work of Christ in my life to really pour out into the streets as a believer in Christ, to go in and essentially be the church in those streets was, was something that we began to understand. And so I really think that's where it started was the part of us to where that was in our DNA and fabric from the very beginning. And the Lord, as we just offered it to him to shape mm -hmm. in obedience from our, from our perspective, he just shaped it into what is today. And maybe foreshadowing what you are doing in the experience that you, Carrie, had and what you got to see yeah. by what was unfolding during that uh, year or so when you were in oh, South South Chicago. Oh, absolutely, yes. Totally. Uh, what happened there in our minds and in our hearts is what we came back and replicated here. We will never be the same after having that experience with that group of people there and so we really 
what we thought we were going to do was come back and move away and do that in a yeah. much cooler city. That's what we <laughs> yeah. kept saying. We we're like, yeah, oh, Columbus right. is great and all, but now we've been to Chicago. I had friends that had moved to Nashville after college, my roommates. Mm-hmm. And so we thought, you know, we can move to this much cooler city and do inner city work in these really fun places. Um, but the Lord had other plans for us. And so that was a lot of the initial year of us being married was really the process of figuring out, nope, you're not going anywhere. And I actually yeah. have this plan for you right here and, and in the we, city of Columbus. We did not want that to be. I mean, we were not embracing that. As a matter of fact, it, it made us just... Want I mean, to run. <laughs> exactly. Just want to get away. And so... It, it was a crucifying of the flesh that was painful. And when you then allow yourself to come obedient in a way to where you allow the, the work of, of the Holy Spirit to have command of your heart, I mean command, then what comes out of that painful crucifying of flesh is is the very life-giving work and flourishing of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's what this is today. Right. So we got married in 2004. Yeah. And so after being married, you know, our plan was kind of what's next? Well, we were at Highland Community Church. He was not the pastor there yet, but we were there because he was volunteering. So when we got married, we said, we're just going to stay here. But really, we were waiting for the doors to close. At that point, there were about eight people who were in attendance there. Four of them had the last name Strickland. And so it was not, (laughs) (laughs) this is not what you're envisioning as the place that you're going to plant yourself and, and stay there. And so what ended up happening, the pastor who was currently there, he took another position with the Columbus Baptist Association. And so there was no pastor there over Highland Community Church anymore. In my mind, we're thinking, whoo, this is great. Close the doors. (laughs) Everybody moves on. And then what happened was Rob came home. Um, He was working as a special ed teacher in Muskogee County at that time. And he came home one day and he said, you know, I really... I'm feeling that the Lord has wanted me to step into that role of pastor at Highland Community Church. And that was a very shocking conversation because we had never talked about being in full-time ministry in that sense. He had not gone to seminary. We had never mentioned or talked about him becoming a pastor. So, you know, my wheels are just turning and I'm thinking, what in the world? This is we're really taking a curve off of where I thought our life was going. Yeah. You said shocking conversation. I thought it was a rough conversation. It's a pretty, <laughs> pretty rough conversation. Shocking, rough, whatever way you want to describe it. So that conversation happened. We're still trying to process through that. And he didn't really give very much time for that to settle in before he came back, probably less than two to three weeks later, and said, oh, by the way, not only do I feel like the Lord is calling me to become the pastor there, I also think that we need to move into the neighborhood if we're going to take this role on and take it on seriously. And, and there was a reason for that. The timeline was tight because we were in a position of Carrie had just gotten a job and it was with a nonprofit and the treasurer of that nonprofit called and said, you just got your last paycheck. And so we were shocked by that. Now there was a neighbor who lived in North Highlands in that neighborhood to our church and that neighbor had come to me and said, look, if you ever need a place to live, this place will be available to you and I will make it extremely affordable. So we could no longer afford where we were living. 
in this very convenient place to say, Lord, we, we will allow you to use us, but we're going to deem what the details of that look like. We'll be here at this church. We'll try to shut it down and do it with dignity, but we're going to deem the details and ask you to stamp it with your blessing. And so that's how we had arranged our, our situation with the Lord. And then when he pulled the rug out from under us and taking this job away, we, we could not financially make it. Well, this offer from this woman. It was actually a very nice house in the neighborhood. It would be more like, you know, the, the rose and the bed of thorns type home. So realistically, I was like, this this house is the house that we could make an effort to live in. Let, what do you what do you want to do? We can give it a shot. So that was where like, oh, let's if this is gonna happen, this is it. This is what we need to do. If we're gonna do the church and we're gonna do the house. This is the sweet spot. You know. I did not agree. I did not agree with that. <laughs> so after that conversation, I said to him, give me the summer. I think he brought that around April or May. And I said, just let me pray through the summer. Because if we're going to make a decision of this nature, of this extent, it's not that I don't trust you. It's that I really need to hear the Lord say it to me. And so he was very gracious. He was that, that entire time it's just so gracious to give me time to think through and pray through it. And as the summer went on, I had I was actually doing a Bible study through the Old Testament at that point, and we had I had gotten to the point where the Israelites were entering into the Promised Land, and every time I would be reading in this area, the Lord would just through His Holy Spirit just your promised land is North Highland. And I thought, well, that is not fair. You know, <laughs> I mean, you're giving these people the land that flows with milk and honey, and you see what North Highland looks like, and you're asking me to make that my promised land. But, he, you know, and then it was just like the Lord would be like, Carrie, you're missing the point. The promised land was not so much in what it appeared and how it looked. It was that it was the place where my presence and my provision overflowed in the life of my people. That is what I'm saying I'm offering you if you will just choose to obey me. I know that you don't have a clue as to what it's going to look like, and you don't have one ounce of desire to actually be there. But if you choose to obey, I am telling you that what will happen there is that my presence and my provision will also overflow in your life and in the life of your family. And so very begrudgingly and very... Um, I would say more seriously, it was more out of a place of despair, but I had walked with the Lord long enough at that point to where I had tasted and seen that the Lord was good. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that he was going to be true to his word, even if I could not fathom one second how that was possibly going to be a reality for me in this neighborhood that seemed so opposite of all of that. And so we chose to obey at that point, and we moved in in October, and we were due with our first son in November of that year. That's right. And I, from reading on your website, your, your story, that first year was really, really difficult. It was very yeah. difficult. Just the, the shock of going, you know, we had just both grown up in, like what he described, just very um, enjoyable, solid households. And honestly, in a, a very sheltered way of a middle-class lifestyle. And so moving, even though you're in the same city, it felt as if you were moving into a totally different culture. People didn't think the way that you thought. People don't talk the way that you talk. 
everything is different. And so there was just a lot of confusion, a lot of sadness, a lot of depression and anxiety over I'm bringing my first child into, you know, and at that point, all that North Highland was to us was that it represented something that seemed to be dying, a church that was dying, a neighborhood that appeared to be dying, and yet we are starting what feels to me the life of our family in this dying place. And so that very first year was just a struggle to even choose to stay, to have a staying power to what the Lord had called us to. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I chose to obey. So immediately I should be getting the presence and the provision and the joy. And none of that, none of that transpired during that first initial move into the community. And so um, Christmas rolled around that year, and I just was, you know, first child, second Christmas being married as a, a newly wed couple at that point still. And I just remember pulling back the curtains to our living room and looking out onto the street and just beginning to sob, thinking, how did my life end up here? I feel like I've done all the right things. I I, I, I did the right things in high school, and then I went to college, and I got a good degree, and I married a good man, and and yet my life doesn't look like anything I, I thought it would. And so Rob just said, well, why don't, why don't you come over here, and let's just sit on the couch together and bring Noah, that was our oldest, just hold him, and just let me pray Philippians 2 over our family right now. So how did you pray? It was that we would place the interests of others above our own and that we would take on the attitude of Christ Jesus and that we would be in a position that we would become obedient even to the point of, of death on the cross, reflecting Christ-likeness in, in our family. And, you know, Carrie describes that as just a, a place and a moment of brokenness in, in our lives that the Lord was able to really remend us in a way that was in alignment with his purposes for, for our hearts and for our home. And uh, since, since then, uh, North Highland has become home to us. Uh, we know some of the most endearing, generous, non-judgmental people that we could possibly be surrounded with, and they welcome us and we seek to welcome them as as friends and certainly neighbors and we're so privileged to have the chance to do life alongside them mm-hmm. we call we when we talk about it we always say that there's a power that comes from obedience this is what we learned in that first four years of living there of just learning how to be a neighbor and that was really all that we did other than, you know, pastoring the church at that time. And there was a power that came, and the power that came from obedience was that the Lord literally changed our hearts for that neighborhood, where I, initially it was, I would be happy to be anywhere but here. And he just changed our hearts to act love, love. Not It doesn't even feel like, oh, woe is me. This is my task in life. It feels like, what a blessing that I'm able to expend my life here with the people that live with me in this neighborhood. It truly, it was miraculous because that was not in us 
But that's what the Lord produced in us through that obedience is just this love for North Highland and the people who were there. That's exactly how it transpired. And so we now refer to what Carrie was talking about when she's talking about the promised land, you know, this this neighborhood would become our promised land. We, We refer to that as the place of unbroken fellowship, that we are constantly in communion with the Lord in a place that would not look like you would find communion with the Lord at all. And so we, we wouldn't trade our, our residence, our, our location for the world. You've been there 15 so years. Yes. Um, and through your obedience, a lot has happened. Absolutely. You went from, uh, Eight members. I don't know what the membership is now. Yeah. Those numbers aren't as important as a lot of the programs and initiatives that have been put in place through the, through the church and then through Truth Spring. So talk to me about how the Lord led you down the pathway to begin the process of offering so many opportunities yeah. to help yeah. your neighbors, the people you're ministering to spiritually, but also to help them physically. Right. Well, I, I think it goes back to the very beginning of when Carrie was saying we first moved in that first year. Uh, we were personally in a very difficult place, but what we were faithful to do was steward very carefully the Word of God through preaching and through praying and through worship. And we, though we didn't have but a handful of people at that time with us, we were understanding that by offering people concisely and accurately and fully God's word that his word brings life and it brings life in a way to where as the word of God is able to have command over a people like Highland Community Church that we're not here to be in this church building to get something for ourselves but to really serve and honor and glorify the Lord and to do that in a way that maximizes his glory as we're seeking to be good to our neighbor. And so that's that's where it really began as far as Highland Community Church looking outside of our own four walls as opposed to trying to figure out how can we get people into a building and do the church service? How can the church rather get out of the building and do the church's services? Right, because no one was even coming at that, right? So it it wasn't like it changed all of a sudden because we were obedient. Now our congregation grew. We were obedient and nothing seemed to change initially. So really that just allowed us to reevaluate what are we doing here and what is our purpose as a church? And it's not about getting people in the doors. We need to go and be the church on these sidewalks and on these streets because no one that walks these streets feels comfortable walking through the doors of the church and why would we expect them to Mm -hmm. so we started going out to them at that point rob and his dad and another anchor of the church randall lake started a ministry called chicken and rice ministries Mm -hmm. where they would literally make a gigantic pot of chicken and rice and they would go to the darkest places in the streets of North Highland and they would just serve people on Saturdays and they would pray with people and then what they would say to them is this we're going to come back tomorrow if you would like to get on the van we'll take you to church and then we'll bring you right back here Mm -hmm. and so that's what they started doing every Saturday they would go meet with people and then these people would say 
yeah, I do want to go with you to church on Sunday. And so they would get on the van and they would come on Sunday. And then we would take them back. And that's really, that's really how the church grew was just from the very darkest places, encountering the light of Christ, changing people in these dark alleys. And then they begin to come at that point and say, I want to be part of the church. I want to be discipled from here. A verse of scripture that's on your website is Luke fourteen twenty one. Yeah. Yes. Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the city and bring in here the poor, maimed, blind, and lame. That's the heartbeat of Highland. We want every human being to feel welcomed. We want every opportunity to let any person, whatever condition of life they're in or have experienced, to be able to know the goodness of the Lord through the work of Highland Community Church. Talk to me about, um, again, the uh, Truth Spring and then Truth Spring Academy, uh, your housing initiative. Let's go into right. the very specifics of, and and also, if, I, if it needs clarification, it seems as though all this is folded all into sort of one, umbr- under one umbrella, but if it's not, you can separate it, but as far as the organization versus what the church does, sure. but, sure. but, but let's, let's um, investigate each of these areas where you have physically touched the needs right. of the people in that community. So around yeah. 2009, so we had been there about four years and the church had really um, become a solid foundation and anchor really for the community. The community be- had received our family, which, was great. They had also began to receive the church and trust the church. But what we realized at the same time was that the needs of the community were vastly overwhelming what the church was able to provide because we were still a smaller church and what we had what we knew we were about was what we were about that neighborhood. We were not intending to grow our congregation by bringing middle class or upper class families into this neighborhood. The Lord had planted us here. We were here for these streets. And so we realized all these needs were here, but we were not able to meet all the needs through the church. And so the church said, well, what if we started a separate nonprofit who has a separate 501c3, separate board, and their sole focus would be on community development for this neighborhood. And so then the church started what is called True Spring, and you've got these two lanes that work so beautifully and parallel one another. You have the church, and their mission is give the gospel to the poor and disciple. And then you have True Spring, whose mission is give the gospel to the poor and develop. So then you've got both sides working at the same time. You've got the church who's always working on the heart of a person, mm-hmm. and then you've got True Spring who's always working on the development, the physical needs of somebody that's in that neighborhood. So they started True Spring in 2009. That's right. We did a lot of things wrong <laughs> initially. I th- you know, I just really like to be honest with people to say we didn't have a clue as to what we were doing. You know, like like what you said about our degrees. Our degrees for education, <laughs> exercise science, not social work, not uh-huh. community development. So a lot of what we do now was based on a lot of things that we did wrong at the beginning and just learning how to do it right. One of the things that we learned along the way was to stop thinking that we had all the right answers and to start asking all the right questions. Because initially, as a middle-class family, when you move into a low-income 
poverty-stricken community, you think that you know all the problems and all the solutions. And then you quickly realize that you don't know anything. And so what we realized was, yeah, we, we've lived here four years. Why would we think that we know how to solve all the problems of this neighborhood after being here for four years? So what we started doing was hosting community meetings. And we would say, well, look, we're going to have a, a chili dog and some Coke. And anybody that wants to come, come to this. We, even if you don't go to the church, you're welcome to come to this meeting. And all we're going to do in the meeting is talk about the neighborhood what we're doing great in the neighborhood, what our weaknesses are in the neighborhood, how can we combine and make that a strength in the neighborhood. So we started bringing people in, and that's what we said to them. We said, True Spring is here. It's a community development organization, but we want you to tell us what you want us to be about. And so in those meetings, the very first thing that the neighborhood said was, please do something for our children of this community, and please do something about our housing conditions. And so out of that meeting, out of just listening to the neighborhood, came True Spring Academy and our True Spring Housing Initiative. So I'll let Rob talk about, he's actually the director of True Spring Academy, mm -hmm. and so I'm going to let him talk a little bit more about that. Definitely. It's, it's a school in the neighborhood. It's an elementary school, and we have really worked to provide children the chance to attend our school who live in the neighborhood to receive a Christ-centered quality education. And we have an amazing team of people to include our teachers and, and our support staff that really provide children the chance to come into a classroom and to really receive academic support in a way that's more independently tailored to their academic and educational needs. And so we're in a position of seeing how when we have, for instance, a child apply, they take an entrance exam. And so if you have, say, one spot available in a third grade class and you have, you know, two children apply for those, uh, that spot, then you're in a position where we're going to take the child who scores the lowest on that entrance exam because we think we can, A, be a good neighbor to our local public school, but then B, we're going to be able to provide that child better support in the sense that we have a smaller, more tailored academic setting. And so we can also figure out how to best meet those needs by being more supportive to the family. And so True Spring Academy is designed that very way to meet the educational needs of students who need us most in that neighborhood, but then also to become a family to where we all mature in our relationship with Christ together and become the village, the village, if you will, around the children that we're seeking to raise in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. I so. guess one thing that was important was to note that Rob's background, even though he became the pastor, he always was bivocational. Yeah. So he continued to teach special ed in Muskogee yeah. County for 17 years. Loved every second of it. So I'm when so he blessed. got, when we got ready to say, okay, the neighborhood is saying, do something for our children. This is a, this is a problem. And what specifically the problem was, was that we call them children who are, are one, O-N-E, right? So the parable of the lost sheep, when Christ says, you got 99 over mm -hmm. here who are all fine, but this one over here is lost and somebody needs to go after this one. Well, North Highland is made up of 
almost all ones. They are just lost, and the Lord has positioned our church to be there to say, go after them. And so because our children were starting to grow up with the neighborhood children, so they were a little older at this point. Our oldest was eight. We got a trampoline, which was probably not a good decision because every child in the neighborhood decided that they wanted to come to the Strickland household and jump on the trampoline. But the great thing about that was that it brought all just boys out from the woodworks there. And so we had about six boys who found our backyard. And for years, every day, every morning that they could be there, they were jumping on that trampoline. Well, what we started to notice was that they would come and knock on our door in the morning and in the afternoon. And I would say, well, shouldn't you be at school? And they would say, no, I'm not going to school anymore. This is when they're in fourth, fifth grade. So, I mean, little. Mm -hmm. And they had already dropped out of school at that point and were in and out of the alternative school. So kids that just had severe emotional and behavioral problems due to the hand that they were dealt in life. You know, no other reason. They were totally capable children. Great personalities, very smart, very capable, but just had not had the support around them that they needed at that point. And so one day, one of the little boys knocked on our door. His nickname was Tank. And we said, gosh, Tank, it's just been so long since we, we've seen you. Where have you been? And he was like a little guy. And he said, well, I've been at the alternative school. And since Rob had been teaching, you know, emotional behavior disorder his whole career, he knew a lot about the alternative school. And because Tank was so small, he said, Tank, were you scared when you were at the alternative school? And he just looked directly at Rob and said, why would I be scared? All of my friends are already there. And Rob and I finished having a conversation with him, and we shut the door in our living room. And both of us just looked at each other. And in that moment, we had just finished that community meeting where the parents were saying, do something. And in that moment, after having that conversation with him, the Lord just said, there has to be an alternative to the alternative school. And that's when the birth of True Spring Academy started to happen at that point. And that's why he says we take the child who scores lowest Mm -hmm. because we knew what child we were going after. We were going after the tank. We were going after those kids who, for whatever reason, were not making it. They were falling through the cracks of society, and no one even saw it happening. I mean, every boy, so there were six that were coming to our house at that point. Four out of the six dropped out of school and never returned never returned. We're in and out of alternative school at that point, and then YDC, and now a couple of them are now in prison for life sentences at 18 because of decisions that they made along the way. And so Rob and I just knew that cannot continue to be the case. First of all, our family had been planted there. The church was there that we needed to have a solution to this problem. And that's how True Spring Academy came about. And our mission is to go after the one, to go after that one who is lost and no one knows and go after him and bring him back in. Absolutely. It's been a great ride. We're in our sixth year and we continue to just follow the leading of the Lord. And, and as he just continues to pull the pieces together, it's, it's only, it's only by his orchestration that it could happen. Uh, we've, of course, blundered, and you know, <laughs> we are not perfect people by any stretch of the means, but the Lord has perfected us and continues to perfect us in His love as we pursue to just make His name great in this effort. And well, go right ahead, Carrie. Yeah, oh, I was going to say, go, going on the blundering, if about the 
the housing part of it. So that that is a good way to show, like, you know, sometimes your best-made plans just don't turn out very well. And so in that meeting when they were talking about the children saying, do something about the housing, so we, what we started doing was purchasing homes in the neighborhood, Tree Springwood. We would renovate them, and then we would put a family from the neighborhood in that home. But what started happening was we would renovate, we would put the family in, and then that family would struggle to pay rent and struggle to pay rent. And so we kept thinking, what's going on here? You know, why, why are you asked that we would do this? We did do this, and yet now no one's paying their rent. You know, we thought we were doing what you asked us to do. We thought we were doing it right. And so when we brought everybody back in for the following community meeting, we said, you know, in one way, we were celebrating the success of True Spring Academy, just seeing so much growth from the children who were in the neighborhood. And it was really exciting to see that. Just to give you a little snapshot, he had a few students who came in for their entrance exam, and they would score a zero. That means they don't know a number, they don't know a letter, they don't know a color, they knew nothing. And by the end, when they would take their exit exam for that grade, they were scoring 97%, 98%. So in that meeting, we were really celebrating this success for our kids, while at the same time saying, what's going on over here with housing? You know, we're doing what you asked us to do. Why isn't it working? And, you know, we said, help us figure this out. What are we supposed to do about this? And in that meeting, it came out, well, no one has a job. You know, and so... Here we were focusing on housing and getting people insecured, but yet no one could pay their rent because no one had a job. And so in that, you know, it's kind of one of those you realize you put the cart before the horse kind of thing. It's like, oh, well, let's back up a little bit and go and deal with the employment issue, and then we can put housing back together again after that. So it's just a learning process as we've gone along the way. Absolutely, absolutely. So a a program uh, was spawned from that idea to try to help them in, in their employment opportunities? Yeah, yeah. True Spring Trade School is up and going as of, of 2021, and we are so grateful to be able to provide people who walk our sidewalks a chance to, to learn a trade and to learn how to be engaged in meaningful work. And the team that the Lord has brought together for True Spring Trade School, I mean, they are top-notch. And so we have terrific partnerships of people who are, are around True Spring Trade School. That's a year-long opportunity for our students uh, to include Mercy Med, to include Field, Food Mill Pharmacy, Goodwill, and, and of course, True Spring Housing is a part of that as well. So those four trades that they're working to be a part of would include urban farming through Mercy Med because they have that initiative going on, and we're excited to be a part of that. Uh, we have just the opportunity for our folks to learn a trade in culinary arts through Food Mill Pharmacy. And then through Goodwill, they're working to learn janitorial services. And then through True Spring Housing, they're having the opportunity to learn actually construction. So they're <laughs> renovating with their own hands people in the neighborhood, the houses in their own neighborhood. And so really, really exciting to see that the house they're happening to work on right now is on Fifth Avenue, just across the street from our house. So I get to step outside every morning and see them working and it is it's just thrilling. There's a lot of life. Well, that's right. That. So when we were in the the meeting that day with the neighborhood and they said, we want to work, but we can't work. And going along with that line of learning to ask the right questions, we asked, well, why can't you work? And 
they listed a, a myriad of barriers from no prior work experience, no marketable skill, no education, um, criminal background, just any kind of li- any kind of barrier, and it was in that room. And so we left the the meeting and just began to pray and to plan, thinking, you know, okay, Lord, you've called True Spring here to be about development. The neighborhood has told us how they want us to develop them, but how in the world do you tackle something like employment, right? It's, it's one thing to take a five-year-old at True Spring Academy and shape that child. It's another thing to take a 45-year-old and shape a 45-year-old at that point in their life. And so we began to think about the history of North Highland. And if you know anything about Columbus, then you know that Columbus is a mill town, right? And so North Highland was actually built when all the mills were up and operating on on that Second Avenue and Meredith's Mills were happening. Well, so many people were working at the mills that they started building all of these houses so that the mill workers could just walk to work. And so at one point, this is like probably in the 40s and 50s, North Highland was actually a thriving neighborhood. We were a blue class neighborhood, but we were a thriving working neighborhood. But when the mills began to close, everyone that had an education and had another option moved out of the neighborhood but the people who did not have the proper education stayed and the neighborhood began to decline at that point because the work left the neighborhood so as we were planning and processing what the neighborhood said we said well what if we could recreate that what if we could bring the training back into the neighborhood and bring the work back into the neighborhood couldn't we be a thriving neighborhood again and that's when we've developed the idea of teaching people trades and the trades that we chose were very specific because we wanted trades that we could teach someone a marketable skill in a short amount of time but then that trade could be used right in our own community for the benefit and for the good of our own community so they're not learning the skill and then expending that skill somewhere else we want that skill to be expended for the good and the rebuilding of our neighborhood with our own hands and so that's why we chose things like construction because we had this housing component to it so here we are we're buying these homes in north highland and now we're giving the opportunity for our trade school students to begin learning a trade of construction while they're actually rebuilding their own community so it's just this exciting empowerment that is happening in that community this exciting development that's happening now they look at their you know you look at the list that they gave us initially which was no marketable skill well now they have a marketable skill they said no no work experience well for a year they're employed by true spring so after a year they will have very good work experience to put on a resume they said that they had no education well columbus tech is officially partnered with us. Columbus Technical College comes in to our neighborhood and teaches on-site GED classes to anyone that is a part of True Spring Trade School and gives them the opportunity to then take their GED and have that. So by the end of the year, they've also dealt with their educational problems. So it just is incredible to see all of these pieces coming back together. But what we did was just take the model that was initially working for our neighborhood and say, well, let's just put that model back to work again here. And so it's exciting to see it working. Absolutely. Well, I know you're in the middle of a, of a capital campaign. Is that we right? We are. We are. Absolutely. Absolutely. We are just 
thrilled. As a matter of fact, we just left a great meeting with our team. And Highland Community Church is really excited to initiate this. It will be Highland Community Church Home to Truth Spring Academy. And we are just in the, the, the weeds of planning. And it's, it's just exciting to really see us shift gears and to, to know that the plans that we're making now We've been working on this for, for many years, but to see those plans really at this point now lead to this is about to be shovel in the ground. And so very, very thankful to, to those who supported and, and, and donated and given so generously to, to bring this, this to, to be. And we are working to just dedicate this facility to the Lord in a way to where the, the work of his kingdom moves forth uh, in generations to come. Now, where and will the so facility be, be and describe it? Now, that's a great question. It's going to be right where we are. We bought property that's all around our church on Fifth Avenue, and the request of the members of our church is that do not leave, don't move. And so we've honored that from the beginning. And so for many years, we've worked to strategically figure out how we can acquire as much property as we can there where we're located and let me just add a little snippet there because it's so important to see the buy-in of the neighborhood from this project so we started talking about this several several years ago and the community got so excited about the opportunity for this but their one request is don't go anywhere and so they started giving towards this opportunity but that meant we had to buy property in the neighborhood so that we could eventually build but stay right where we were So you have to understand that the church, you know, when we were starting there, the offerings on Sunday mornings could be 76 cents or $1.25, you know, and it was literally the giving of all, like the widow's might, giving of all. But the people in the neighborhood continued to give and continued to give and order that we have now bought two acres worth of property but the people who have been supporting that are the ones who live right there in the neighborhood yeah. Yeah. so it's just been exciting to be able yeah. to see that we have honored their request oh, yeah. but they have been so faithful to be part of it with us oh yeah they, they've they've given thousands upon thousands to the building campaign themselves and so it it is it is a, a work of a people of the Lord and for the Lord. And so we, we are pressing on into building a facility that right here in North Highlands would serve as just a, a campus that would be extremely inviting to those who walk up and down our sidewalks, but would be really a facility that would house Highland Community Church and True Spring under the same roof, but enclosed in a, in, a, in a nice green-spaced campus to where what you would see is the building would be very utilitarian in nature. So to the point of the gym would be the very centerpiece of this building to where services for Sunday would happen in a gym and there would be classrooms in and around this gym to where it would be utilized for True Spring Academy students throughout the week, but then on Sundays it would be utilized for, for Sunday school classes to be held as well. But realistically, the building is just a, a building that will serve and and really meet the needs of, <laughs> this is, I think, the most exciting thing, uh, of the streets of North Highland in a way that advances the kingdom of God every day of the week. When we started this, 
Highland Community Church's board was just emphatic. Whatever we do, whatever we have, if we have just our current facilities or if we are able to build a facility that would be larger in the, in the future, let it be used seven days a week to advance the kingdom of God. And we're already there. We, we already have people at the church literally seven days a week just pouring forth the things of the Lord. And so to be able to continue to do that in a way that just really lends itself to, to the next generation of, of the work of God there is, is thrilling to me because we have held every request that we've been asked to hold from the very beginning. And it, to think that we're not just building a, a building for people to get into for a couple hours on Sunday, but for seven days a week to be pouring the gospel out into our streets is exciting. We've got uh, a few minutes left, and I, I would like to end with this question for each of you. What have you seen happen in your heart over the last 15 years that would, would probably not have happened had you not made that tough decision to say, we're going to stay in North Highland and minister here? Do you want me to start or do you want to start? You want to do like rock, paper, scissors or something? <laughs> you go <laughs> ahead. Okay. Hey. The question is is one that, <laughs> for me, has just sharply been fine-tuned lately, and that is that the Lord truly judges the heart, meaning compelled by the love of Christ, as we read in 2 Corinthians 5, how dare Rob Strickland look at another person in a merely human way, knowing that the Lord judges the heart. And what's been so piercing about that for me is that reality is that I'm a very critical person of others, and the people around me are much more generous, much more loving, less judgmental than I have ever been. And I have learned so much from my neighbors. And mind you, I, I thought I was coming in to do a service for them. I'm going to go do something for you. No, I, I have been greatly cared for by my neighbors, and I have learned so much from them. And, and the Lord has opened my eyes to see that. Mm, that's powerful. Thank you, Rob. And I would say mine has just been a growing love for the church. And I, I don't mean like Highland Community Church, but the church meaning the body of Christ to see how Christ has empowered us. And we don't, we don't realize the level of the empowerment that he has given us through the Holy Spirit to go into the darkest places and bring the light of Christ into these places, to go into the most barren, desolate, waste places, bringing the seed with us, as it talks about in God's Word, planting it there and allowing it to cultivate and bear fruit. And so I've just grown to love and get so excited about calling out to the church to say, no, we have been empowered to do this. Don't settle for less than. Take what God has given you. Take his word. Take the Holy Spirit and go to the dark places and 
and love people there and allow the word of God to cultivate and to produce fruit. We could talk another hour, I think. <laughs> we just sort of felt like scratch the surface. I've got it in me. You want to keep going, let now. Just well, a cup of coffee would be necessary. <laughs> oh, that would be fantastic. <laughs> Thank you all for being willing to come and share your story. It, it's fascinating. Uh, it's inspiring. I think um, folks who, who want uh, feel led to, to help you guys out with your capital campaign, I'm sure you can go to Highland Community Church and find uh, the website there or Truth That's Spring. Right. But um, thank you for being so transparent, for allowing uh, the Lord to, to use you to share what's going on inside your hearts uh, with those who are viewing this tonight and listening to it. And uh, my prayer is that he'll continue to, and 16 years from now. That's right. We can, uh, ha- certainly before then, but, but in another 16 years, to look back and see the tremendous impact that two people who got married and decided that we will stay and mis- be missionaries at home rather than leaving and finding an, another country to go to, uh, I think eternity will only reveal the impact that your lives are having right here in Columbus, Georgia. Thank you for being here tonight. We appreciate you having us. It's been very fun. You've made it very easy. Well, we want to ask our uh, listeners tonight to remember that you can watch Faces of Faith stream live on WRBL.com every Thursday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central Time. You can watch the replay the very next day on our website. And then coming soon, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple, on Spotify, or Audible, so you can listen to the show on the go. And before we go, I want to give a special shout-out to our director, Dylan Hansen. None of this magic would have happened tonight without his uh, trusted hands uh, on the, the uh, uh, whatever, that's ca- whatever that animal is called over there. But, but you have it mastered very well, Dylan. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. And as I always say, as your host, uh, till next time, just remember that whatever you're going through, Always keep the faith. Good night.